Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. This is Martha Jackson. And I'm Nellie Shudo. Nellie, I don't know about you, but I'm getting very worried. We both have teenagers going into high school next year, and I'm getting worried because all over the country, all over the news, I keep hearing about drugs. Drugs are very rampant in all high schools. It doesn't matter where you live. No, you're correct. And I'm, I'm worried about it as well. And of course, you've got a Highland Park kid and I've got a Shelton kid. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, it happens everywhere. It doesn't discriminate. And I do worry about it. And I worry about how to communicate with my child about that. Because I, I don't want to uh, sound like I'm being you know, overbearing. Right. I want my child to feel that he can talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the dilemma, right? Right. So what we really need is someone who can educate us on how to talk to our kids and what signs to look for as far as addiction. Maybe somebody who's been there, maybe a recovering addict. Do you happen to know anyone? Well, our guest today, Michael Molfin, M to the Rock, who's got an incredible podcast and is just a beautiful person inside and out. Uh, very inspirational. He has got to speak at our high schools. He would be wonderful to speak at our high schools because I feel like people can really relate to him. He has got the best, most upbeat personality. He just, he, he really talks to you, not at you. And he looks like a rock star. He does. He's covered in tats. He's a bad, <laughs> badass. Like he's cool. So, so even though he's an adult, he's still, I feel like he would be so relatable to the teens. Yeah. And what's interesting about his journey is that he's still living in the moment. And I, I really like that about him. So right. we'll get to talk to him. We'll get to ask him a lot of questions. And I think it's going to be so informative for all of us moms. So after this quick break, we're going to interview Michael Moulton, M to the Rock. Stay tuned. Martha and I would like to personally thank all of the fans of the Bubble Lounge podcast. We truly appreciate the feedback people like Sherry and Kathy and so many others have given to us. Your support encourages us week after week to keep the Bubble Lounge podcast going. It is women like you that make our community special. And if you enjoy this show, please help us spread the word on social media. Whether you use Facebook or Nextdoor Instagram, please take a moment and share it with your friends. Your help means a lot to us. So many women in the neighborhood have told us how much they have enjoyed this podcast. And with your help, we can share the show with many more. Welcome back from the break. Today, we have a friend of mine and somebody I really admire, Michael Mothin, who's going to tell us his incredible story. So I'm going to let you start because you say it best. Wow. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. The Bubble Lounge. That's right. The Bubble (laughs) Lounge. I love it. It's the Bubble Lounge. We're in the bubble. I'm Michael Mothin. And I am a recovering drug addict and alcoholic, and I have the disease of addiction. I process alcohol and narcotics differently than normal people do, you know. And so I had my first drink when I was 10 years old. And and the reason why I know I was 10 years old, and I remember the day that it happened, because the second that the alcohol went into my mouth and went down my throat and into my stomach, something happened. And it changed. And and whenever I share my story, I always make it very, very clear that I drank and I did drugs because I liked the effect. That's why I did it, you know. And then once I started drinking and doing drugs and then I started feeling the way I did, I would had the confidence to take everybody's inventory around me. And then when they said I need to stop doing what I was doing, I'm saying, well, if you had my life, you would drink and drug too. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. So with that said, I started getting consequences at a very young age because of alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, at the age of 16, the day I got my driver's license, I got in trouble by the law, a minor in possession of alcohol. Mm-hmm. I had a car full of alcohol. I was driving dirty early (laughs) and um, had consequences at a very young age. 
But, you know, my story's no different than any other addict or alcoholic. You know, I drank and did drugs. I fell down, got up. I drank and did it, and I said I wasn't going to do it again. And I kept doing it, and it got harder and harder. In 2002, I finally came up for air, and I was married at the time. And I had a wife that was holding me accountable and said, listen, you need to get some help. And so I went into recovery group rooms, and I went in there, and I heard people's stories. And I heard, I saw people in there that were homeless, and I saw people in there that were, had been arrested. And I saw people that had been divorced and, you know, all the things that happened. And I left there, and I said, man, that's not me. And as we talked about, you know, earlier, I said, it's not me yet, because I was in there looking for the differences and not the similarities. Mm -hmm. You know, today I walk out and I talk about the great things I hear, the solutions, Mm -hmm. because I wasn't done. I wasn't done. And I was fast forward on my story is I went to treatment in 2002 to Betty Ford. That's when I had money. I had a company. I had the wife and I had the car and I had the kids. And I went. And Nellie, I truly did, for the first time in my entire life, admit that I was powerless over alcohol and drugs and that my life was becoming unmanageable. Mm-hmm. I, I did admit that. But I wasn't willing to make a decision to turn my will and life over to the care of God. Was it partially just the stigma of it in your mind? You had this idea, like a lot of people do, I'm not like that. I can do this myself. Yeah, it's, it's stigma. I was so sick that it was ego. Mm-hmm. You know, I was holding on to ego and pride. And when someone would tell me your ego and pride is going to kill you, what I heard you saying, Nellie, was I'm a bad person. I didn't Mm -hmm. know what that meant. And when people would tell me, why do you drink? Or ask me, why do you drink? Why do you do drugs? I would get angry. That was my initial reaction. And the reason why I get angry is because I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why I was doing the things I was doing. So, yeah, the stigma did keep me where I was hiding because the stigma was drug addicts and alcoholics live underneath the bridge. They're homeless. And, you know, living in the bubble, you know, that's I'm not that kind of guy. Right. You know, yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I said I would never. These things will never happen to me. In 2012, after a devastating loss, my wife got very sick, had a massive brain hemorrhage. I lost my company. Let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. I gave my company away. I gave wow. my family away. I gave everything away as a result of fear and resentment and anger. And I twisted off on a downward dark spiral. And in 2012, I got arrested for the very first time in my life. And that was my very first mugshot. And this is what we want to touch on. Yes. Is, is that after my first mugshot, I think this is where a lot of people can relate that had the disease, okay? I was arrested and taken to... Lou Sterrett Justice Center. And Nellie, that woke me up. It scared me to death. Mm-hmm. I've never been arrested in my life. I was being processed. And for the first time, I was becoming that guy that I said right. I would never be, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was there, I made a call to my dad, and everybody was scrambling around. This was new in the Moulton family. Right. I mean, this was new. I got a brother that lives in the Park Cities that is awesome, dude. I mean, he does it the normal way. We're complete opposites, right? Right. And so the Moulton family, they're like going, what do we do here? This is all new. So they're scrambling, okay? And I told myself, and I even told God, I said, I will never do this again. This has woken me up. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw the judge, and I got charged with a second-degree felony, a possession of a large amount of cocaine, driving under the influence. I was scared to death. The word felony was on my head. Okay, right. on my mind. And within 24 hours, my family bonded me out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Nellie, when I tell you I meant, I said, I am done. 
I'm willing to go to any lengths. I'm never drinking and doing drugs again as a result of that, okay? I got released, and with eight hours, I was drinking and doing drugs again. Wow. Within. Now, what that means right there, that's called powerless. Yes. That is, I was powerless over this disease. Mm-hmm. And so the normies, like the two of y'all, will sit there and go, y'all are in harmony. Y'all just go, wow. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, why would I do that? Why do I do that? I have a disease. Mm-hmm. I have a disease that's cunning, it's baffling, it's powerful, it speaks to me in my own voice, and I was powerless. You ready for this? 26 mugshots later. Oh my gosh. That was the first. From 2012 until 2017, 27 mugshots. Nelly, I became that guy. Do you keep those mugshots on your wall I to do. remind you? Well, <laughs> I, you know, I don't have to. Now doing what I'm doing, it's part of my opening. It's, yes. it's, and you know what's so funny is that, and we laugh about it, now it's great. You know, God spends it and I get to use it. What devastated me, that very first mugshot, what are they going to think? Stigma. What are they going to think about yes. me? I'm done. What will everybody say? No one will right. ever build a house with me. No one's ever going to do business with me. No one's ever going to like, they're all after me. And I did everything, the money I spent on SEO to bury it. Well, that's the thing to me that's fascinating about your story, just how it's a story of redemption to me, because you really did hit rock bottom a few times, and you have taken this and turned it into pure gold. I mean, you were out there on your podcast. You were out there on the streets talking to people. You were really sharing what you learned and embracing it, and Mm -hmm. that to me is so impressive. Yeah, definitely. Tell us how you got from... 27 arrests to doing a five day a week radio show podcast perfect question kind of like michael what happened what's different now Mm -hmm. out of all these 27 arrests what's different well the first thing that i did was i had a spiritual awakening on 7 7 17 a bright light experience when i was locked up and that was an experience where that was the first time that i set everyone around me free and once i did that god set me free And then I was miraculously released, and I traveled over 300 miles to Judge Bennett's court, and she blessed my game and let me go. I was homeless, and I went to the Salvation Army. And at the Salvation Army, the people I used to build houses for in the park cities, those ladies were serving the homeless food, and I was one of them. Uh Uh, They didn't recognize me, but these were my homeowners. Mm -hmm. And so I traveled to court. Judge Bennett, she said, I've heard what you've been doing. I want you to pay it forward. And this is my judge from 2012 to where we're at today, right? Yeah. And so I was traveling on foot, and Brian Glenn, the Brian Glenn Show, called me. And I shared my story with him, and iHeartRadio heard it. And I went in, and I started doing a show. And my very first guest, very first show was Brian Cuban, you know, local here in Dallas. How God arranged all this, I don't know. (laughs) And so I've never done radio and TV in my entire life. But yet you have that voice. He does. That's what everybody says. He just just came with that voice. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So, But I started doing it when I was incarcerated. I got up on the ramp, and I would speak to all the inmates. And I'd always look at them. I'd say, listen, I got great news. We're all going home. We're all going home. And I would share my experience, strength, and hope. And they called me Rabbit. And they called the ramp that I would talk on Rabbit Ramp. And it was a (laughs) 75-man tank. And God used me to run the tank. And the guards were very sad when I left because it was very well organized. Everybody was getting along. And we were doing church. So that's how, to answer your question, how it's all happened today, it's all been God. All I've been doing is focusing on this microphone. Every time I sit down to share my story, I ask God to put the words in my mouth because I can't do this, you know? 
And so that's all I do. And people like you ask me to come share my story. And I love helping others and especially helping the people that have a chance to get this now. Well, let's switch gears for a minute. Let's talk about warning signs of someone that's in our family or friends or kids that might be using drugs. What should we look for? Well, you look for the, you know, the typical isolation, the white lies. I used to lie about stuff that was just simpler to tell the truth, mm-hmm. right. you know? And so, okay, so why is he lying to me? I was lying because I was in fear. Right. I was anxious. I was paranoid. And to make those feelings go away, the alcohol did that because something happened, right? So that's a, you know, lying, isolation, physical appearance. Mm-hmm. If you sense that, okay, reach out to an alcoholic or drug addict in recovery to coach you through how to handle it. Okay. So many parents who can't relate to addiction try to fix it. I'm going to fix this. You yeah. know, you're, go to your room. I'm going to fix you. Mm-hmm. And what happens is I go, I'm not a bad person. You know, I don't know why I'm doing the things I'm doing. I have cancer. You know, I'm sitting here bleeding yeah. to death, mom right. and dad, and, and I'm now I'm being in trouble for it. So get another alcoholic or drug addict in recovery to discuss this with the family member. That makes sense because it's about rewiring mm. more than punishing, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. No, because I've told you I've had some of these issues within my own family and with a lot of friends out in Hollywood. So when I was on your show, right. we talked about that. And I've always had a lot of empathy for anybody who is an addict. I think because I could be totally wrong when I say this, but to me, they strike me as more sensitive than other people mm-hmm. and a little more vulnerable. Like you said, it is a disease. They just strike me as there's something about them that seems a little more vulnerable. So to me, I kind of embrace them, and I respect people who turn that around. It's hard to do. Well, your voice, y'all's voice, the normal people's voice, we call them normies, y'all's voice is huge to help remove the stigma to what you just said there. I'm pulling for you. Mm -hmm. I'm pulling for you, and here's the – I can't relate to you. I can't help you, but I can tell you what. Go talk to him, too. You know, go talk to this lady. Women work with women. Men work with men in recovery. These are the things that were suggested to me. And this is the main point that I want to get across. What is recovery? Mm -hmm. And you talk about this. Recovery is not about getting good. Mm -hmm. That's not what recovery is. Recovery is about getting well. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel so good when someone said that to me. Because this is not, we're not bad people trying to get good. We're sick people trying to get well. Right, right. We need to make sure everyone learns that. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to say, anybody's kid would want to meet you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll talk to him. He's like, so helpful and like, you're such a cool guy. You know? uh-huh, I know. And he looks like a rock star. <laughs> exactly. So when an addict gets arrested, they just throw you into jail or is there any type of rehab or any counseling, anything that they offer you to get better? I want to tip my hats to the Texas Department of Corrections because the state of Texas has got a system put together that is extremely successful, okay? We have to remember that we're dealing with a disease that I cannot be helped until I self-diagnose my own disease, okay? Get honest. I got to get honest and look at y'all and say, I need help, Mm -hmm. all right? They have it in place. They truly believe Judge Jennifer Bennett truly is one of the best because my personal experience of listening, they have what's called Safe P. They have Wilmer. They have different areas where they send you for drug addicts and alcoholics. Okay. okay? okay. Drug charges, dope charges, mm-hmm. DWIs. They go get you the help that you need. They don't want to incarcerate us. Right. They so they don't. don't put, so my question is, they don't put you with other prisoners? That's Except me. My story was crazy. They made a mistake and put me in the aggravated assault tank. And I was in a tank with all murderers and oh, all wow. that, which is another oh part gosh. of my story. And God used me in that tank. And I was just doing me and everybody came 
and sat down with me, and the tank just completely turned around. That happened twice in two different counties, and it happened. And then I became the tank boss, and everybody loved me, and people were crying when I left. Yeah, so, when I, so, so you were good for morale. I guess yes. I was. You and know. if I go to prison, you're going with me. I will. Okay. So, so and I was. It's tough for me to go to prison. A proper white guy yeah. walking in, they thought I was either gay or a cop. That's what it was when I walked in, yeah. and I'm neither. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, but I learned a lot because as I watched the tank turn, they just accepted me, and I didn't even say anything. It was just by my actions. That could be a new podcast when the tank turns. There you go. That's right. <laughs> that's as right. The tank turns. That's right. I thought you were going to say gay or cop. <laughs> that's another That'd one. Be a that's show. another one. That's too. a reality show. There, I like that. That's right. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy. Yes, the Department of Correction. They have every tool in place. Good. That's for so good. The one who is, so if you're a parent and your child is incarcerated, the stories that you hear of, you know, don't go to the shower alone, that's just not <laughs> true. Prison's not a, it's safe. It's not a dangerous place. The text, they've done a great job with that. And they categorize you what your charge is. So they have aggravated assault tanks. They have child molestation tanks. They have sex offenders. And then they have the drug charges. Okay. And so they separate. There's a lot of thought that goes behind it. Well, that's, that's great. Yeah. Well, we have so many questions for you, and Michael Molthen will be back with you after this break. He's got some really good information to give us about our neighborhood and our children. We'll be right back. If you're a fan of the Bubble Lounge, then we have a very special offer for you. Send us a text message to 313131 with the word bubble and join our exclusive community of Park City's moms. Every week we send you a link to the latest episode of the show, but that's not all. If you send a text right now, we will also send you a link to our private online membership website. Our membership site contains tons of helpful recommendations for women in the park cities. So whether you want to find something interesting for the kids, get recommendations for the best services, or just hang out online with other moms like you, our membership site is the perfect place. And best of all, it is free to join. So take out your phone and send a text to 313131 with the keyword bubble, that's B-U-B-B-L-E, and join us and your neighbors in the Bubble Lounge. Welcome back from the break. We're sitting here with Michael Molthen from M2 The Rock. He has a weekly podcast from that airs live at 12 o'clock Monday through Friday. On iHeartRadio. Well, we were on iHeartRadio. <laughs> that's okay. No, you got, but we're on the iHeartRadio app. We're on the iHeartRadio app. We're okay, on Spotify. Okay, so Every, we are. We're um, not terrestrial anymore. But we do have a channel on the iHeartRadio. You're right. We are. So, Michael, I have a question. I just took my kids to California for spring break. And I already told them before we went that marijuana was legal there and you're going to see storage you're going to see signs you're going to smell it everywhere what are your thoughts of legalized marijuana well you're also going to see signs for beer and whiskey and alcohol mm-hmm. all right so my thoughts on this and i've been asked this a lot a man in recovery and this is the selfish part of recovery it doesn't affect me so if i'm working my program and i'm trying to stay clean and sober it doesn't affect me the legalization of it is just another alcohol. It's another cocktail that is available, right? So, you know, do you want beer or do you want marijuana? Right. Um, so once again, if I have a problem with drugs or alcohol, which is marijuana or alcohol, that's a symptom. It's an outward symbol of an inward problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what it is. But if I am spiritually fit and I'm working on me, it doesn't affect me. I think it's dangerous. Absolutely. I don't see any upside 
with it. Dangerous. People die from it. People get killed as a result of using it without getting political and all that, which I don't know how to talk that way. Am I for it or against it? I don't have a dog in the fight. Well, I was driving right behind somebody that was smoking so much. It was blowing back into my car. You could smell it. And I'm like, you know what? You're putting our lives in jeopardy by getting stoned while you drive. Well, and that's a different issue. It makes me laugh being a California person that I remember them, no smoking outside, no smoking outside. And now everybody (laughs) smokes. But they just changed it. California is just changing the rule again back to you are not allowed to smoke pot outside. Because I wondered how we could go just for people's lungs, mm-hmm. you know, and secondhand mm-hmm. smoke. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's going to be topic. it's going to be interesting to watch. It's an interesting conversation. But as a you're talking to a person that's in recovery, right? Right. right. Personally, if you said they were going to legalize heroin, once again, if I'm working, it doesn't affect me. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, sure. yes. you know, sure. because if I could duplicate my program to every addict in the world, the marijuana industry would go out of business because it doesn't affect me. So for the people who are addicts, they're even going to be more exposed. It's very dangerous for the addict that is still out there in the madness and in denial because now they're going to say, hey, mom, leave me alone. It's legal. It's legal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. So it doesn't mean – that's like me saying, hey, you know, Judge Bennett, leave me alone. Alcohol's legal. <laughs> yeah. And she says, well, guess what? You drink it. You're going to prison. <laughs> it doesn't work for you. See what I'm saying? So it's, right. it's, a, um, it's a sketchy topic, and it's scary. I will tell you this, it's very scary. Yeah, definitely. Well, you gave us some ideas of what to look for in teenagers, Mm -hmm. right? My next question is, what do you think about interventions and AA, NA, et cetera? How should we address it? Let me address that. Everything you said right there is good. Everything that you said right there is successful, all right? Interventions done correctly, no matter what the seeds planted, No matter what, even if I'm against it on the receiving end, if I'm against it, once everybody leaves the room, my brain's spinning. I'm exposed. Mm -hmm. I'm caught. People are really thinking that I'm sick because left alone, I start processing what's happening. How am I going to get out of this one? Interventions are very successful. It may not go exactly the way you want it to go that day. You probably won't. If I don't take, but the seed's planted, Mm -hmm. all right? We're watching you. We are now working our program, and we are eventually pulling away from you with love. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's set. Okay? As far as the groups that end with A's, I don't represent any of them. I go to recovery group meetings, psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. We have traditions that I'm very protective of. We don't wave any flags. Right. You know? But I do go to psychotherapy groups, which is group therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, And I go in there where we work. And I do. I work a 12-step program. Okay. I'm a big believer in 12-step program. So let me tell you how important those programs are. Mm-hmm. Every judge in the country, court orders, drug court clients to go to these recovery group meetings for two reasons. Number one, it doesn't cost the state any money. Okay. That's number one. Okay. Number two, which is also number one, it works. Okay. It's the most successful program out there that works because there's nothing more powerful than one alcoholic working with another. And it doesn't cost that person money, the alcoholic or the drug. It doesn't cost them anything. Exactly, which is a great thing. And the only requirement for membership is a desire, a desire to not drink or drug that day. Mm -hmm. That's the only requirement for membership. So, So, Michael, Nellie and I both have teenagers that will be heading to high school next year. And I just hear high school is, there's so much opportunities to get drugs. I'm hearing that kids are skipping over alcohol and going straight to marijuana because it's easily available. What should we be looking for as far as keeping them away from that stuff? 
Well, that'll drive you crazy. Okay, <laughs> so so that'll and, and that's moms. That's not a long drive, right? Yeah, it's not a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> and so you love your kids. Okay, your kids love you. I always say this. We sit back and we continue to water the leaves of the tree and sit back and wonder why the tree's dying. Let's get to the root of the problem. Let's not look at marijuana. Let's not look at alcohol. Let's not look at what if, hey, my kids are about to go to high school. Here's what we need to do. Moms and dads, before they go to high school, we're going to start having family dinners again. We're going to start having a dinner table. We're going to start having family time again. I want my kids to feel safe at home. And how do we know if mom and dads are doing good jobs as a parent? Hey, mom, I just experimented with marijuana today. That means they feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you sit down and we talk to them and have a discussion and go, well, tell me what it was like. Let's walk through this. I mean, I've never, as a mom, I've never done marijuana. So talk- stay calm and talk to them and ask questions. Don't freak out. And so Don't you're freak grounded. out. Yeah. yeah. It, okay. That goes with marijuana. That goes with drinking. drinking. Mm-hmm. Or if your daughter comes home and goes, mom, I just had sex with a boy today. Or I had sex with a girl today. You know what I'm saying? That is the opportunity to be a parent. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get to the root of the problem. It's time for dads to take control of the dinner table again. And that's what we have to get going again today. That's the root. And we will start seeing these isms go away. Alcohol is not my problem. Alcoholism is my problem. Because I'm reaching for visible things to fix my invisible problems. I love two things that you said that I just really love. A, you brought up therapy, mm-hmm. which I think is also another yes. stigma. Yes. And I think there's nothing wrong with going to therapy. I actually think it's a very healthy, mm-hmm. smart choice mm-hmm. when people choose to do that. And number two, what you said about bringing back the family dinner. How incredible is that? It's mm-hmm. so true. It's and so honestly, easy. we've been working on that. So it's funny that you brought it up. And so many people overschedule their kids and they're running around, they're eating in the car and they don't do that. Mm -hmm. Get off the gas. Yeah. Hashtag get off the gas. That's a new one. (laughs) That's a new movement. We're starting right here today on the Bubble Lounge. So again, such inspirational words from you. Really incredible. I love how you take something that wasn't easy and you've spun it into something very positive you walk in the room and i'm like what's he going to talk about i can't wait (laughs) which i love and number two we must have you speak at highland park high school that's a big deal Uh, you gotta be there i tell you everybody all the moms and dads that are listening out there please please do that because you're not only helping those kids you're not only helping the teachers and the parents and the staff you're helping me the more I spread the message and story, the more I stay sober. It's my gift. That's what God wants me to do is to share my personal experience, strength, and hope. And I would love more. That's the most powerful thing. That We're a society of storytellers. This is what happened, and this is what happened today, and I would love to. I will drop everything everything to come speak to kids and everybody who's listening you have to hear his podcast empty the rock i'm telling you it makes me laugh there's always something for me to learn from it and i think you appeal to everyone so thank you everybody listen i agree you have so much energy and you just never run out of words to share well y'all are awesome too i love this well, that's our show for today. Michael Moulton, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Nellie. Thank you. Thank you. It's been the Bubble Lounge. I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson. Join us next week. 